for people in my age bracket who were interested in ghosts and things that go bump in the night, most likely you've heard of the Spirit Questers, a group of sensitive individuals who would go on different quests to help people who were unable to deal with the invisible elements in the spirit world. In my own quest to find out more about them, I would always come upon this book, The Spirit Quest Chronicles. Tonight, we talk with the author of this book, who back in the 90s chased around the spirit questers to document and discover the liminal space they operated in. Enjoy. So, of course, you're not that familiar with their podcast, but we are uh, mostly slanted towards the paranormal uh, occurrences in, in, in the Philippines. And, of course, when I was young, uh, maybe in my high school years, college years, I, I heard of the questors. And then uh, recently when I started doing uh, the podcast and started looking for some questors, every time I would do a search on Google, I would find your book. In one of our YouTubes na we had um, interviewed the questor, yung book mo ang Kalako talaga sir, fictional ang questors. Kasi, <laughs> oh, it, it, there's a book on it. So, kalako fictional siya. Then, apparently, they're not. My first question, sir, is, um, usually it's about, our first question is usually about the origin of the person, meaning uh, why you started to get interested with the paranormal. Is there Was there an experience early on for you to be open to the... Absolutely, absolutely not. I had no interest. Uh, in the paranormal whatsoever, it was purely a journalistic interest. Mm. What had happened was um, it was a confluence of events. What happened was I was teaching at the Ateneo um, and we have this really old building um, that's supposed to be just on, just as a tangent, just the most haunted building <laughs> uh, on campus. And one of our teachers uh, at the time uh, a teacher named Tony Perez. Uh, and uh, Tony Perez was teaching a class. Um, he was teaching for us, but he was also at the same time teaching a class uh, for a different department. And the class was called uh, Psychic Powers and Shamanism, which yes. is not your typical class. Now, Tony uh, had a room in the department and uh, sometimes um, late at night or we would have these conversations and Tony is a great person to talk to because he knew a lot about different things. Uh, what I did not know at that time was that the class he had, the shamanism class, um, had a culminating activity. And the culminating activity was on February 13, 1995. And um, it was the first spirit quest. Mm -hmm. uh, held in the communication department. Okay. Now, what I learned about the quest about that time was that it sort of devised, it's sort of something between a seance and a vision quest. Yes. And uh, his class participated in one and they found out several things about the department. One of them was that one of the bathrooms had like a portal to another dimension and stuff mm -hmm. like that. The thing was, they decided that they would, Tony and the Questors would start going to 
houses mm-hmm. and they would start to try and help people yes who felt that they had a paranormal presence in their houses and um this seemed to me at the time because i was i had two jobs uh, i was writing for the inquirer this mm-hmm. seemed to me to be a very interesting topic yes for for a journalist um i had no uh prior experience of the paranormal um and um so i pitched it to my editor and i said uh let me go with these guys let me see if we experience anything yes and um she said sure uh so i talked to tony and uh he said it was a good idea and um so we went out i'm a natural skeptic yes uh, <laughs> i'm really not uh, a believer uh in these things and so we went out The first quest I went on it was a group of 10 um it was a haunted house of somebody I knew mm-hmm. what they always do is they would have a, a visionary sometimes mm-hmm. they would have more than one you're lucky if you have more than one yes and that visionary would lead the questors and then the visionary is the one who can see yes so the visionary is the one with the open third eye Mm-hmm. uh and can see everything now i've heard a lot of stories about the third eye and what you can see and um the visionary would lead the questor so you would form a circle mm-hmm. uh everybody would hold hands and uh the visionary is essentially the medium mm-hmm. yes it's the channel tony would guide but the visionary is the one who would guide Uh, us through and say what you can see uh and um this is basically what they would do every saturday night yes <laughs> for for the better part of two years that i was with them yes there would be nights where they would do more than one house when <laughs> when the questors started becoming better known but at the beginning it really was uh people who kind of really were at the end of their rope mm. people who were dealing with things were, which they had no explanation they've already had the place blessed they'd already uh gone to the government yes couldn't find um, a solution no and um there were several rules that the questors had to follow and uh, this is the part where I sort of agreed to really go out with them which is first is they don't get paid and yes. that's huge hugely hugely important um mm-hmm. for me it was what convinced me that um this was not something they were doing for the money yes second these were not thrilling adventures <laughs> um there is a term that Tony really disliked and uh, it was uh Pinoy Ghostbusters, and mm-hmm. he really did not like the term because it really was very inaccurate, and uh, he would easily be able to weed out someone who was with us just for the thrill of it because mm-hmm. these things were not fun. Yes, Th- these were not fun at all. You would enter. There were a lot of really long quests, 
in empty houses that hadn't been used in a long time. It was cold and it was late. And, um, and a very important thing I have to tell you is in the entire time I spent with the Questors, I never saw anything. And, <laughs> and um, part, part of that has to be with the reasoning is that they offered to open my third eye. One of the, one of the Questors said that I had a big third eye. Uh, and I said no because that would make me a participant. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's not what I was there for. I was there to represent what anybody else who would go with them would see. Yes. Plus, the stories they told me about what it would mean to have a third eye <laughs> open was not fun. I mean, I can go into that later. But yeah. So I experienced what anybody would experience. And I will admit that there were things that went on that could not be easily explained. Mm-hmm. Um, sudden bursts of heat and cold. Um, there was a lot of candles going out for no reason at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, in one particular case, um, a house where we had gone to that hadn't been used in a long time, when the person, the spirit they were talking to got mad, the water started running and it was a house that hadn't been used in a long time. Yeah. So, so that was pretty frightening. Uh, there were times I was frightened. Um, mm-hmm. Not commonly. I mean, I had uh, at that time covered crime for a while before I started doing features. And so I was, I was not easily scared. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were nights that I would be scared because sometimes it would hit you just right. I mean, just, mm, okay. just what you're afraid of. Um, usually not. But there were a couple of nights I slept with the lights on. Okay. I won't deny <laughs> I won't deny that. So, so I began writing um, these pieces for the Inquirer and they were called The Spirit Quest Chronicles. Yes. Uh, and um, so I wrote one and it got very good feedback. So I started writing every week, more or less. Mm-hmm. And these were, these were long pieces. Yes. I have to thank my editor for being very supportive. We also got some very bad hate mail. Yes. People who thought that we were uh, pushing the occult, that we mm-hmm. were a bad influence. But there were a lot of people who were really interested in this. Otherwise, I mean, why would people read it? Yes. And we started getting, they, they started getting more requests. Uh, and they started getting more members. And uh, what would happen then is instead of just one group, you would have to break up the group mm-hmm. so they could go to different houses. And I had to choose which house to go to. I would usually go to the one that Tony would go to because mm. that, that's usually the safest one. Because <laughs> Tony knew what he was talking about. Uh, Tony Perez, of course, yes, uh, yes. is, is a, an award-winning uh, playwright, one of the most important writers we have in Filipino, but he's also a shaman with a long knowledge of uh, the paranormal and uh, new age things like crystals mm-hmm. and whatnot. And um, 
I think that he was a very important figure in still is in yes. in um if you talk about a generation that grew up interested in the paranormal, Tony mm-hmm. would have to be uh, a very important figure in that. Um, because he taught you that paranormal things didn't have to be banishment yes. or it did not have to be sort of combative because yes. he looked at it as a helping job. Yes. So probably the most important thing that I observed was that the mission all the time they were told was you have to try and get them to coexist mm. in in the case of spirits or elementals who would not leave. Now there's a difference. Now so spirits are dead people who are sticking around mm-hmm. and elementals are nature spirits which existed here before us. So you have the duendes and the capres so of Philippine folklore and mythology. They're essentially elementals. They yes. have been here before us and people built houses on them. And so they can be happy and they can be unhappy. So sometimes you can feel them. Sometimes they're perfectly fine. Um, it, the problem is when they're not. So you have to sort of mediate. Mm-mm. Spirits are a different story because they shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. So the theory is that if you're Catholic, they should have moved on. Why are they here? Mm-mm. So some of them are the words that are always used are unfinished business. Yes. And uh, some of them are not nice. So <laughs> this is and this is all secondhand. I mean, for me, yes. this is all coming from. And if you read the book, so there are two books. Volume 1 came out in 97 and Book 2 came out in 98. And it's always, I'm always quoting yes. the, the visionaries or Tony uh, and what the others saw or felt. And um, it's, it's always nice when it's resolved, but sometimes it's not completely resolved. And I guess that that's really part of what happens when you do these things is that mm-hmm. these are not clean stories. I mean, mm. they're not completely, perfectly resolved because you're not writing fiction. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they won't go away. Mm. And you just have to sort of come up with the best solution possible. And that's what I saw during this. And, and, the, and the, the members of the Spirit Questors had a big turnover. Mm, yes. Um, people would come and go... The visionaries, however, I, I, there was a much lower turnover for the visionaries because I think that they understood that it was a gift. Um, I would think that um, for me, it would also partly be a curse, but they <laughs> considered it to be... They, they embraced it. I assume that there are people out there with the same gifts who don't want to use them. Mm, yes. Um, but these are people who use the gifts um, to try and help other people. So, you know, I saw a lot of sacrifice on their part. And I would never begrudge them for the time and the effort that they gave because at the end of the day, what's to lose? Mm, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, it's them who's giving up their time. It's yeah. them who's staying up late. 
Um, so that's really, uh, you know, they didn't do any harm. Mm-hmm. They were trying to just help. So that's what that's how I looked at that. Now after two years of that, um, my editor one day told me that okay, um, the series has run its course. <laughs> And um, so uh, we'll stop running it. Mm-mm. Actually, in the second book, the last two stories never ran in the Inquirer mm. because um, you always, you know, write the stories in advance of the deadlines. So those stories never got to run in the paper because okay. the series already ended. So they came out only in the book. In the book. So there, there was a point where they stopped running in the Inquirer. But the questors at that point were so established that they were going out and uh, wherever Tony would go, um, they would form sort of chapters. Yes. So there were chapters in the north and chapters in the south. And um, when people would come to me looking for the questors, I would send them in the right direction. But Mm-mm. after a while, when Tony left school to teach somewhere else, we lost contact. Mm-hmm. Um, and I no longer had any means of reaching him. Uh, and then after a while, um, that meant that I had no way of reaching the questors themselves. Yes. So I, after uh, a year or so, I was, I couldn't, find anybody anymore so mm-hmm. i would occasionally get the stray question i mean okay. can you find them but no <laughs> i i they i could see that they would be still active mm-hmm. in other places but i really don't know anymore what they were doing at that point i assume more of the same yes I know of two or three organizations from from the original questors, and they still operate now. But the des- the design of the group is different for each. Meaning, some actually charge, some charge uh, because uh, from what I've heard, it's energy exchange for them. It's energy exchange. But there are groups that are still they still do not charge, following the same model. Again, there are different factions. I, I've talked to some who say that yes, that is ideal, but given the situation now. Some people find it hard that uh, they have to shell out their own money to help. Because, again, for, for practical reasons. Um, I do have to say, uh, I just want to get this piece in. I yeah. really don't think people should be charging for this. Mm-hmm, uh, I mm-hmm. think that I frown on that very much. Mm-hmm. Because um, even though you can argue with me that it's impractical and whatnot, um, I think that it's... Uh, it looks like bad faith mm-hmm. that you would get paid for it. Um, if you are given a, let's say that you are a believer, this is the biggest knock against any kind of paranormal investigator or psychic group yeah. that you're being paid for it. Um, and uh, I think that if you want to prove that you're really there to help, that you shouldn't be paid for it. Yes. So mm-hmm. I would I would be very wary of any group that charges for it, no matter mm-hmm. how little. Because um, 
you know, to each to each his own. But mm-hmm. uh, I I just I just cannot imagine um, if if we had gone back in time and looked at that way, the group would never have happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, if 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 they charged them, yeah. if they charged, I mean, they would have been destroyed mm-hmm. utterly because because it it immediately looks like they were just profit, profiteering off it. Yes, so it's just just not just not something I would do personally. I mean, paranormal investigators have a bad enough rep as yes. <laughs> so it's it's um uh it's it's it it can only get worse. Okay, I mean, if you had a problem in your house and you decided to call in a paranormal yes. investigator, people will look at you like you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and that's already like being very. That's already being very generous. Um, but I have seen people who are desperate. I mean, yeah. I have seen people who really have no other choice because they can't sleep, they're afraid. Yeah. And and you understand why they're taking this step. Yes. Um, but I think that as a journalist of more than 25 years, um, this was the most unusual of all my assignments because Mm -hmm. it challenged what you considered to be something to write about Mm -hmm. because I got a lot of ribbing Mm -hmm. about this because you know you're writing about ghosts and stuff and you're supposed to be like a journalist you had covered crime you had covered you know politicians and whatnot you know it it was a risk but it was so interesting. I mean, it was so interesting. Nobody was doing it at the time. And um, I will go right to the famous ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be the three quests to the film center, mm, yes. which, which at that time had to be the most haunted building in the city. Okay. Um, and... Um, the weird thing was the film center quests got more and more complicated. Mm-hmm. The, the, the first one that we went to was really scary because it was just us. There were, there were no other crews, um, no, no news crews, and uh, the building was really derelict because at that point, the government had been trying to get people to use the building. Mm-hmm. But everybody who would use it, all the offices who would use it, would eventually leave because it was just too scary. Yes. And, and the bottom part of the building uh, where the orchestra was, was really, it was in really bad shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it had been in disuse for so long. And that's the part where we had to sort of go into mm-hmm. uh, uh, parts of the building which were not usually used. Yes. The guards were with us, so we had the security guards. And this was very late in the morning. And this was one of the weirdest things that I experienced with the questors was that while I couldn't see anything, mm-hmm. you could hear things okay. and that was that was a little weird um that was a little weird so you heard 
workmen. So you heard workmen, like people were working. And the other weird thing that you could do is you could smell things. Okay. So like in some of the quests, you would have flowers. Um, in this case, you could smell breakfast. Breakfast? Yeah, you could smell people like cooking corned beef. Uh, that, that I could really smell that. Um, that first quest was physically very difficult Mm-mm. because um, it was you had to crawl through spaces and you had to. The groups were separated, Mm-mm. you know, uh, into smaller groups. The second quest. We had one crew with us. I don't remember who it was. And it was a little easier because they had lights. Okay. So you could kind of see where you were going. Okay. <laughs> and and by that time, you kind of already knew what to expect. Um, the third quest was, was a bit of a circus um, because that had like more than one crew. I think we, we, I think we even had like a BBC crew. Wow. Um and um and uh that was the one that involved um Imelda Marcos mm-hmm. who had kind of gotten involved with that third one. And it was it was a very controversial quest. Um because you know, why is she getting involved in this? While all throughout, I mean the feedback from the visionaries was that, you know, they were they were buried, there were bodies buried. And they wanted to be um, the simple thing they wanted was to be moved to the light. Um, they wanted their bodies recovered mm. and reburied. Mm-mm. You know, uh, that was that was what the visionary said. So the third quest was a little controversial because of that. Um, so those were the three most high-profile ones Mm-mm. because of the place. The film center now, of course, is in use. It's more part of the lore, I think, of you know paranormal Manila. Yes, I know that you know novels have been written about it, <laughs> and the movies have been made about it. But this was much later, uh, much later, and at that time, this was all we had. The other one was uh, the ozone disco fire, mm. and that was difficult because. Uh, the fire had been fairly recent, and uh, we actually got a court order um, to allow us to go in there. And you could really see um, the, detrit- the detritus of the fire. You could see what was left of, not the bodies, but what was left of, like, there's a jacket here, mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. and... and it was it was like the whole place was just one solid piece burnt together, and um, the owners of that disco eventually, I think, were found guilty of something or other. Um, but these were high-profile cases, and uh, so sometimes you would get that. Yes, you know, mm-hmm. but these were very rare, uh, and uh, as for me. The usual case was just somebody's house. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, in a very hard to get to place. Yes. And uh, it was just uh, another very late Saturday that turned into a Sunday. Sunday, yes. Um, yeah, that I would write about and get good feedback and bad feedback and 
you know, at the end of it, um, there were two things that I took away from it, which was that this was the coverage of a lifetime mm-hmm. uh, and that I would not do it again. Okay. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> I think that, um, I, I don't think that, that writing about the paranormal is for the faint-hearted. Yes. But I also don't think that it's something that's easy to do um, for a very extended period of time. Because I think that it creates a kind of tunnel vision. It mm-hmm. creates a kind of... Uh, first, you get pigeonholed. Yes. Okay? You get pigeonholed as the person who only writes about ghosts and yes. supernatural and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, as a writer, that could really, really be problematic. Yes. Second, um, I think that it becomes problematic in the sense that you write things and people look for it mm-hmm. in your work. Okay. And you have to be versatile enough not to get stuck in that. So it's it's a reverse kind of stereotyping where you have to be able to write that and you have to be able to write this. So after the, you know, I thought about doing a third book because um, trilogies are always fun. Yes. Um, We're waiting, but, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the thing is, um, I can't, Imagine going on these quests now. Um, I think that uh, they're for younger writers Mm-mm. who have the stamina to do it. <laughs> I mean, just the staying up, Mm-mm. just the staying up alone uh, is difficult. And just the, just, you know, I'm a skeptic, but being, a, being someone who followed the spirit questers around makes you more open-minded uh, about these things, but it doesn't convert you. Okay. I mean, it doesn't make you a believer okay. uh, auto- automatically. And I think that that's the biggest preconceived misconception that you automatically have to be someone who can see ghosts to yeah. write about people who can see ghosts. Yeah. We are a culture that actually values the paranormal. Mm, yes, very much. Yes. And um, the problem that we have uh, is that it's kind of taught out of us in school. Mm. Uh, it's, we are taught to be afraid of it. Mm, yes. And um, the spirit questors, almost to a person, were Catholic. They were mm. almost all Catholics. And Mm-mm. Tony is a very, very Catholic person. Mm-mm. And um, Catholic prayers were used um, in the quests. Um, prayer can be very useful uh, for these situations. And I did not see a contradiction in that. Yes. Um, because it, it is kind of a direction. It is kind of a form of guidance. It is, if, if you want to be, one of the things I've never been is I've never been afraid to read up on this stuff. And okay. 
if you want to be very new agey about it, mm-hmm. it is a way, I mean, prayer can be a way of focusing your energy mm-hmm. if that's the way you want to do it. But it's also a way of strengthening your faith. Yes. Sir, can I just ask? Um, I mean, this this has been bugging me earlier. Um, given the experiences you've had and the and the and the things you've, I mean, you've heard and smelled during the yeah. quests. I'm not sure if this is a bit uh, personal, but what is your belief system and how did it change, or if it stayed the same or it strengthened? How did did it affect your belief system? Okay, so um, that's a very fair question. I'm a lapsed Catholic. Mm-hmm. So it did not change at okay. all. Um, I went into it and left it with the same beliefs I had uh, into it. I'm a skeptic, Mm-mm. still am. Mm-mm. I'm open-minded about stories. Okay. When people tell me I saw this or experienced that, I'm open-minded about that. Okay. So I am less likely to scoff at haunting stories Mm-mm. because I've met people who have been disturbed and have suffered. Yes. So, you know, it's it's so easy to just dismiss them offhand yes. as as nut jobs. Mm-mm. Or or um, there's a <laughs> there's a wonderful expression in Filipino, yung KSP. Mm, yes. Um, but really, there are people who need help. Um, it's sometimes, it sometimes comes in a form that you don't expect. So, uh, my religious beliefs are exactly the same. Um, and uh, it's just that I guess I did this already and I wouldn't do it anymore because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's the journalist in me in, yes. in the sense that, you know, I did that already. So yeah. why, why do that anymore? So I can imagine that for someone who's never done it, it could be a very interesting experience. Mm-hmm. Um, they should try it um, mm-hmm. because it's it might open their eyes. They might have an open third eye. Um, <laughs> so they might see something I did. Yeah, sir. So, uh, a technical question. I was when you were telling the stories of the quests you've gone to, thinking about the time. I mean, it, this was in the nineties. I was thinking, how were you able to take notes? Let's say you were in the dark. Did you have a sorry technical question, just sir? Yeah. Did you no, record no. a recorder or notebook? Just a good memory. Okay. And then afterwards, you ask them. Hmm. Because you go home together. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, after, there's a de- de- kind of a debriefing. Yeah, debriefing, yeah. After the quest, I mean, w- when the quest is done, you kind of sit, sit stand together and you kind of gather your strength mm-hmm. and you gather your energy. So mm-hmm. I would go around asking people, but the most important thing was um, paying attention to what was being said. Okay. During it, paying attention to what was happening, to what, what, it felt like mm-mm, mm-mm. during it because these are things that I can vouch for. Yes. I couldn't see it, but yeah. I could hear things, feel things, smell things that I can vouch for. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And so that I made notes of in the stories mm-mm. when I could when I could vouch for them. 
Yes. Given the the experiences you've also had, sir, are there things that you've, I'm assuming you've um, taken some things into, uh, meaning there are things that you practice, let's say, because um, I've I've talked to a few, let's say maybe one or two, maybe one or two questors and some people who practice the same thing who were not questors. And there, there are things that they teach you, there are things that they practice before and after a quest. So are there things that you carried from that meaning? Uh, so yeah, I, I'll let you answer that first before I... There was something I did do because Tony said to do it. Okay. That I did do during the time I was carried. I was, I was following them, which is when you go home, you take a bath in water that has salt in it. That's okay. the only thing okay. that he told us to do. And okay. I did it religiously. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just as a precaution. Okay. Just as a precaution um, because I was told to do it yeah. and it did not hurt to do yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> um, um, but that's the only thing that, that really we were told to do. So you, you were well seasoned by, during that time, sir. Oh yes, very much so. And as soon as I could stop doing it, I stopped doing it. Um, okay. Because because salt water is not an ideal. Um, <laughs> it's not something that you usually shower in. So yes, I stopped doing it shortly after that. It's supposed to kind of cleanse you. And yes. Protect you. So that's sort of the logic behind it. So so, so again. Weird question, sir, but there was a time you mentioned that you had to sleep with the lights on. Yeah. Uh, th- were you having bad dreams? or I knew this question was going to come okay. up. <laughs> um, we had gone to a house. This is going to sound really weird, but we had gone to a house in Manila, like really old, old houses in Manila. And, and, and the weird thing is I love these houses. You mm-hmm. know, these are the really old houses, which... Um, a lot of them have been torn down now. And this was the, in the book. Uh, you'll find it under a, a story called, it's called Doppelganger. Mm-hmm. And uh, it involved uh, a house which had a big mirror. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those standing mirrors. And uh, one of the things that Tony always said was that um, mirrors are portals yes. to other dimensions. Mm-mm. So whether you believe it or not, this is what I was told. Yes. And in this house, two people had died in this house. Mm -hmm. I had been told that during the quest, the person living in the house now um, had been seen somewhere else, but it was not her. Yes, yes. Now, this connects very much with an old Filipino superstition mm. that if you are seen somewhere else, mm, okay. that, that bad luck is going to befall you. Yes. Now, the story that came out from the quest was that there was a mirror dimension and that there was a, an entity living on the other side mm-hmm. who wanted to live on this side. Okay. And the way the entity wanted to do it 
was to take the place mm-hmm. of a person living on this side. Yes. And so that woman, of course, mm-hmm. I'm going to say it's a woman, was sort of the target. Okay. So the goal of the entity was to take that woman's place. Thus, yes. the, the dry run. Mm-hmm. Sort of a short period of time walking around outside the mirror. But to do that, they would, you know, the woman would have to die so that the entity would take its place. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, that really got to me. Just mm-hmm. scared me. Um, because just the idea, just the mm-hmm. idea of it is very scary. I think part of the solution eventually became like, uh, aside from the prayers and all that, was, you know, covering up the mirror yes. and, and stuff like that, which is done, actually, mm-hmm. in the Philippines, especially when there's a death in the house. Um, and But when I got home, I was so freaked by that story. <laughs> and uh, I, I could not go to sleep um, in the dark. So I kept the lights on. So even and after that, your bath, huh? Yeah, because oh. <laughs> the idea that this could happen. Mm-mm. It was one of those rare slips where, where what you had heard was enough to scare you Mm-mm. into thinking that it breaks through your natural skepticism. Yes. You get exposed to it enough and you'll get to find something that scares you. Yeah. It that's the the one I really remember because it really scared me. And um the different questors would be scared of like a different thing. Mm-hmm. It's not always the same thing. It's yes. usually something that would have some sort of connection to you or mm-hmm. or, or whatnot. So this was the one for me. I can't explain why, but this very day I remember that very much. I even remember the mirror and the, the shape of it. I really remember it so clearly. Um, I remember the house. I remember um, I remember how it felt. There are just some experiences you don't forget, even though it's been quite a while because it's, you know, it's still terrifying. I mean, what they were doing Again, it's not for the faint of heart, even if you are a skeptic. I think you really have to have uh, some sort of skepticism to be able to to endure <laughs> the stories they will tell you. And you have to, I feel I have a big feeling similar to me. You have to you have to have no uh, extra sensory perceptions to be able to stand being there because if 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 it gets to you if if you hear the stories and it. It, it gets to you. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if, if you're a normal person and you already are scared by this and they tell you what they can see. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. my favorite story about the third eye was that um, one of the visionaries told me that when her third eye was open, mm-hmm. she could, you know, lie in bed and there would be people floating and she could see them floating around her and you know, this did not sound to me like a particularly pleasant Mm-mm. experience. Mm-mm. She was perfectly fine with it. Mm-mm. She was used to it at that yeah. point already. But Mm-mm. 
if that had happened to me, I mean, <laughs> if you could, there's, did this happen? You know, the ironic thing mm. is, you know how there's a lot of K-drama now? Yes. This is a very common trope uh, in K-drama Mm-mm. where you have um, characters who can see the dead. Okay, yeah. And so you can see that it's a multicultural thing. Yes. It's not a purely Filipino thing. Mm-mm. And so I, it leads me to believe that maybe um, this third eye thing has more to it than yes. just, you know, them making it up. Because, yeah. you know, it's different people saying different stories and they can still kind of meet in the middle. Yeah. Actually, I'll, I'll tell a story, sir. I might cut this out. Uh, when I started the podcast, uh, I had the thesis that there were more people in the Philippines who had a third eye because, <laughs> uh, this is a bit of a reach, sir, because I feel that um, part of the Philippines was part of Lemuria. It's a, it's okay. part of the... Okay. So that was one of my theories. Because uh, when I started talking to people, a lot of them would be coming from the South. But apparently, my, my theory's been debunked. So I started reaching out to people in other countries. And apparently, like you said, there are people in other countries who have the same stories. They have, sometimes they have the same elementals. Because feeling ko, the whole time sabi ko, oh, there must be something special about the Philippines because we hear people saying, oh, I'm seeing ghosts, I'm seeing elementals. But apparently, in other countries also, they're seeing similar things, but uh, they look slightly different. That's where I came up with my theory na Bigfoot is also a capre. Because <laughs> they, they, they live in the forest, they, you see them near trees. Since that theory was, uh, ano nga, debunk. Pero sir, since you are a journalist, uh, yung <laughs> the stories I get, I do not get to, to fact check. I only get to see, okay, they said a specific thing happened in this specific time. That's the only thing I can fact check. But in general, these are just people telling me stories. And... Um, what I tell the listeners is, it's up to you to believe it. If it's not, if for you it's not true, then at least you heard a good story. You heard a good story for that. And I'm assuming, sir, since I see your the pop culture you post and the things you collect, you also follow comics. Mm, yes. Okay. And then recently, uh, again, since I've been talking to a, a number of people who live in the Philippines who have different gifts. I realized na para sila X-Men, sir. Because <laughs> people have different abilities. Recently, we heard... Again, I, I cannot do a fact check on what they're saying. I just take it as is. But again, it's a good story. There are some who have told me that they can manipulate uh, uh, storms. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They can manipulate wind. So, I'm not sure if familiar with sir. There's this... Yung lihim na karunungan. So, it's, it's uh, similar. I think... Uh, Mr. Tony Perez practices part of it with Santeria. You're using your intention and your emotion to curse or to to influence certain things around you. And that's similar to what they're saying. So parang, parang si Storm, sir. Parang ganun. And there, we've talked to people who are uh, parang dream weavers that they can, uh, they get uh, prophetic dreams that are connected to to the weather. We've talked to a uh, Earth empath. Uh, he, he's, come, he, he's come out on a few GMA shows eh? And his body, physical manifestation of uh, if there is a natural calamity. 
So again, given that, sir, um, how open, <laughs> how open-minded are you to, to these things that, that you? I mean, you've experienced some. Um, I limit. This is going to be the corniest answer of all. Okay, sige, sir. But um, I limit my my ideas to what I've experienced. So these other um, phenomenon that you've spoken of um, in a great Filipino expression, out ako dyan. Okay. I have I have never seen people do that. Yeah. So I I have never seen people do that. So I cannot vouch yes. uh for that at all. I've mm. never interviewed anyone who's done that. So I can't cannot cannot vouch for that. So out ako dyan. Okay. <laughs> sir, given a out canadun, sir. Pero ano yung, what is the cap? Meaning what have you experienced or seen or or felt or heard na parang, okay, hanggang dito maniniwala ako kasi I've experienced something similar? I would be open to people telling me that they can see things mm, okay. that other people cannot see. Um, I can't prove it. Yeah. And I personally would not be able to do it but I would not dismiss it outright. Okay. Um, I would not say that people who are trying to commune with a dead loved one or a nature spirit mm-hmm. is automatically crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes to intention. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there is room for some openness, but the thing is, you've either had to be someone who's experienced some of it. Yes. And if you've never experienced any of it at all, like if you if you ask me, I mean, if I've never been on these quests and I did not hear the things I've heard or smell the things smell, I've smelled yeah. or or felt the things I've felt, I would be absolutely just a disbeliever. Just mm-mm, mm-mm. just oh, you know, you're making this up so mm-mm, that mm-mm. you know people will read you and all that. But the the truth is that I think, to be honest, it. It makes me as a writer far. It's far more a liability for me as a writer to have written that, because people question Mm-mm. your intentions and yes. and uh, they think you're crazy or that you're you're a devil worshipper. Um, I write what I saw. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, and it it was sort of a difficult thing because. You know, you, you would love to write um, an outright, just, you know, uh, supernatural coverage where, yes. you know, you depict the creature, but you couldn't see it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you couldn't see it. Yeah. You're just you're quoting someone. Yes. So you're you're kind of in the middle where you know this is what I felt, but this is yeah. what he said. Yeah. So I always tell people that uh it took me a long while to come to terms with the fact that um it's an assignment that I did mm-hmm. that was very different. Yes. And that the people who will believe it will never believe it unless they themselves experience have it. some experience of it. Yes. And there are people who experience it first. And I can't imagine what that must be like. <laughs> I can't I can't imagine what it's like to to feel like your house is haunted Mm-mm. or or feel like there's a ghost in the room yeah. before you've read about it. Because that that must be terrifying. Because, yeah, yeah I mean, you know, Filipinos love horror. I yeah. mean, <laughs> they love. Or I once, I what true story? I once interviewed uh, a film distributor from Hong Kong, mm-hmm. and uh, the film distributor said, "You know, we send any movie to the Philippines that is horror. It doesn't matter." where it came from. It could mm-hmm. be from Thailand, it could be from Korea, it could be from Japan. Mm-hmm. And the Filipinos will watch it and it will make money. <laughs> so Filipinos love to be scared. Mm-hmm. You know, and from my experience, I don't understand why, <laughs> but they do. So it's uh it's a bit of that, I think. I think part of it is our culture. Mm-hmm. You know, we have animism in our culture and that connected with our Catholicism. Yes. I mean, it's a very strange combination that people practice. You know, it's the whole, I go to Mass, but I see Tabi Tabi Po. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-oh. If you think about it, those two things don't go together. I mean, they don't, they should not go together. Mm. But they do for us. Yes. So it's, it's it's really a sort of hybrid Mm-mm. belief system, and I think that that that's also what it was for me uh, mm. as a journalist. Was sort okay. of a hybrid experience. It was sort of something uh, that tests your skepticism, and then at the same time, it kind of opens your eyes to things. Yeah, that's been what since ninety eight or let's say ninety nine. After that, have you had any other experiences that made you think, oh? There must be something here. Have you, given that you're a journalist, you go around, I mean, you experience different things. Have, have you experienced anything that made you think, okay, this might be something paranormal or supernatural? I can say um, absolutely not. Mm, okay. I, I think that I have a theory about that. And I think that um, I had this conversation I think with Tony once is that one of the reasons that the spirit questors are needed is because they kind of they kind of um, invite the spirit to talk to them. Yes, and so uh, a lot of a lot of times, I guess I'm I'm just not looking. Um, mm. So it's it's not. I've never experienced anything after that. Mm. Never. So I can say that that's my answer. 
Okay, sir. Sir, just before we close it, I mean, uh, of course, we are paranormal podcast, but a part of my, uh, uh, well, Hilly sir, is comics. Uh, Aha! I've seen that you, uh, that you, you also, of course, you write, you write articles on comics, sir. You, you center on Pinoy comics also. Uh, when I, when I look for Trece uh, articles, I see <laughs> the stuff that you've written, you know, sir. So, uh, what area of interest in, in, in the comic sphere or in general do you, do you want to support Filipino comics? Okay, uh, this is a very interesting question. Um, so, I've been a comic book fan since I was grade 5. I can actually trace all the way until grade 5. Okay. Uh, and um, I used to be a huge fan of American comics. I still am. Uh, but I picked my spots. But the comics revolution of the 90s here, the mm-hmm. comics with a K, when Wills came... Mm-hmm. Uh, and started training the right the artists. Um, I started writing a lot about the growing movement. So Alamat was very important yes. in that. Um, and here's where the connection is important. So Budgetan was my college classmate, uh, and uh, Budgetan I used to talk about how he would write his own comic book someday. Mm-mm. And uh, I would become uh, a writer someday. And Mm-mm. when you're in college, you know, anything seems, you know, like it's possible and also impossible. I was one of the first who wrote about Trece. Mm-mm. Yes. Uh, because I found it to be pitch perfect. Mm-mm. It was exactly what I thought. So this was in 2005. Yes. Um, so I have been very happy with what Budget and Kajo have been doing all these years. Mm-hmm. I am generally happy with what uh, Pinoy Comics... Uh, I think that the thing with Pinoy Comics is that it went through a period of time where it was really just Filipinized Western comics. Yes. Uh-uh. And... Uh, the breakthrough, Tresse was part of that. Yeah. Arnold Are was part mm-hmm. of that. Um, the late, great Jerry Arangilian was part yes. of that. Was that they wrote comics which were clearly Filipino. Mm-hmm. For example, one of the beautiful things about Tresse, and uh, I, I keep telling people this, and uh, they only noticed this when Tresse became uh, an anime, was mm-hmm. look at the background. Mm-hmm. Look at where the comics is set, Mm-mm-mm. okay? Because Kajo looked at Balete Drive, Mm-mm. he looked at the MRT, and he drew it into the story. Yeah. So, you know, this is happening in a place that you know, mythology class. Yes. Arnold's characters Mm-mm. always look Filipino. Ilong sir, no? Always look <laughs> Filipino. Not just that, but. Uh-oh. But the characters, they look Filipino and Jerry's characters. Mm-hmm. There are some disturbingly familiar thoughts in some of Jerry's characters. Like, like at, at one point or the other, you thought the same mm-hmm. thing. And his masterpiece, El, Elmer, Elmer. Mm-hmm. Um, is set in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, talking chickens, yeah. but <laughs> it, it's, it's set in the Philippines. So, the part that bothered me 
was mm. when after we overcame the problem yeah. of Western was the manga phase. Mm. <laughs> when everything uh-uh. looked like manga. Yes. Mm-mm. And the stories were were like manga. And I didn't mind that if the stories were Filipino stories. Mm-mm. Like the look is never the problem. Mm-mm. It's the stories. Yes. But finally, I think we're at a phase where almost 99% of the stuff coming out is original. Mm-mm. Um I will um I will do a shout out to Paulo Heras and the Comic Cat people mm-hmm. because they have really figured out that people needed a safe space to do their own stories. Um, so so Comic Cat is Filipino stuff only. Yes. Um, and um, you know, we're way beyond um, the Mars Ravelo uh, stuff. Um, I love the Mars Ravelo stuff, by the way. Mm-mm. I mean, he was a great fabulist. Yes. I mean, I mean, and not just. I mean, Darna was a great creation. Uh, and and uh, Captain Barbell was a great creation. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Elastic Man, not so much. But yeah. um, <laughs> the, the other two, great creation. And uh, Zuma. Uh, Zuma. Uh oh. Not, not a Mars Ravela creation, but Zuma's a great yeah. mythological creation. Um, what happened was Comicat um, gave people sort of a room to just tell a story that they want to tell. And it doesn't matter. Some of the stories that have been told lately was uh, w- one of the ones I'm really looking forward to is Tablai which is a Pinoy Mecca story. And uh, I love, I love Mecca. I love mm-hmm. Japanese Mecca. So this Pinoy Mecca story is something I'm looking forward to. It's so Tablay? There's yeah. a title, Tablay. Yeah, it's uh, Katrina Olan. It's uh, supposed to come out later this year. Uh, so that's something I'm looking forward to. Um, it was also... Um, Makoy is uh, an artist who does a creator who does a lot of uh, slice of life high school stuff, Mm-mm. and that's that's fun. Mm-mm. He has two coming out, which is Aswang High, which mm. tell you everything in the title already, uh, and um, <laughs> the other one is School Run. So School Run is purely slice of life. Uh, I want to shout out to my friend Albert Orr, who. Before all of this, drew and wrote a strip called Monster High. Mm, okay. For K Zone. And uh, that thing is like a couple of decades old, but people still remember it Mm-mm. because it was so influential at the time. People are telling their stories now, mm. um, people can tell any story. Yeah. That they mm-hmm. want to tell now, and I think that that's uh, a wonderful place to be. And you see, now a few years ago, Pinoys were just artists, Mm-mm. but Filipino 
stories are now being published abroad. Filipino artists are now getting regular gigs, not only as pencilers. Mm-hmm. So that's Leonel. But also as cover artists. Manix. Well, Manix is the latest. Mm-hmm. Um, and the most unlikely. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, if, if you if you thought of like the last person who would do a, a Batman cover, yeah. it would be Manix. But you would have Miko Swayan and yes, all yes. these other people doing these covers. So that's Kajo has done his fair share of covers. He did a great Buffy cover. Mm, um, I didn't see that yet. Mm-mm. He did a great cover that had a Pinoy Slayer. So that was uh that was uh for for the um from for the for the anthology book. Mm-mm. But now Pinoy comic books, which are Pinoy intellectual properties, are being published abroad. So a lot of them in Asia. Uh, in Singapore, for example, um, but you have to acknowledge that uh, that Trese is the, the yes. it's doing the things that that it's supposed to do. That's mm-hmm. you know published by an American publisher, distributed in North America, distributed around the world. It has an animated series. It has an action figure. It has a Funko Pop. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, to the point that it's come around. Now, the local publisher, which is now Avenida, mm-hmm. which used to be Visprint, yeah. is now publishing, reprinting the original run with the new art because mm-hmm. yes. Kajo redrew the art for a new audience who missed the bus the first time. <laughs> so, when you have the Filipinos reading the stuff that their own people wrote and drew before them, Mm-mm. you know that something good is happening. Yes. So I'm very happy and I hope that there are more success stories uh, that come out um, of uh, what Budget and the others are doing because really I, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, a good time Mm-mm. for Filipino creators and uh, um, you asked me a, a, a question that that I forgot to, to, to answer earlier, which is mm-hmm. um, which part of Filipino comics do I support? Yeah, and and uh, uh, and the the answer I have for that is complicated because it's um, anything that's good. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like um, I like stuff that is either very authentic. So a lot of school stuff, mm-hmm. but I also like stuff that dares to tell a story that would be very difficult to tell. I think mm-hmm. Arnold is very good at that. Yeah. Um, this whole mythology class saga thing is unheard of. It's unheard of. I mm-hmm. mean, mm-hmm. I mean, what he's trying to do has never been done before. And once mm-hmm. all is said and done, it, when he completes it. It should be something, you know, totally, totally unseen before. Um, and I think that uh, the search for, like, it shouldn't be like the search for the next Trese or the next mythology class, but, you know, the next original yes. breakthrough material. That's it. Um, that 
that's what they're what they're looking for because I mean one of the things that I do not want to see is I do not want to see any more Pinoy superheroes wearing the flan <laughs> because Uh-oh. because you know that's the easiest yes. path you know put the flag on someone and that's captain this and captain that so that's not what we're looking for um, I think that Marvel and DC for example were very good at developing characters who eventually moved away from just being a flag wearing yes character yeah and the DCEU and uh, and the MCU in particular are very good at at that no characters which are not flag wearing characters per se yeah so i would love to see that uh, i would love to see more of that kind of thing i think that they're trying to do something now comicet and uh, romance class they're doing mm. rom- romance comics mm. uh, and that's something that is something that hasn't been done here But I think it should find a great audience because yeah. Filipinos love romance. Yes. <laughs> so that's something that should be something to look forward to. Um, but I but but I still do like, you know, certain American writers. So who do you follow? I mean, who do you still collect? Um, I don't collect singles anymore because it's really hard. Uh, yes. The pandemic totally destroyed any hope of following. So I collect. I trade weight now. Okay. Um, TPBO. So my favorite um, American writers are Greg Rocca. Mm-hmm. So my favorite is uh, his title is Lazarus. So mm-hmm. That's yeah, a great title. He wrote a title called Queen and Country, which I love uh, very much. Um, I love Warren Ellis. Mm, yes. Um, his run on um, Planetary. Planetary was excellent. Um, uh, and um, Stormwatch. Stormwatch. Okay. Those were excellent. Um, and of course, Neil Gaiman. Uh, excellent. This is a great time to be a Neil Gaiman fan. Yes. Sandman's coming out. Yes. Um, I am nervous <laughs> because, um, you know, the Cowboy Bebop thing ah, okay. didn't work out so well. I am happy because the audible version of Net, oh, yes. of of the Sandman Perfect. was of Perfect. Sandman was so good that 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 I kind of wish they just cast the, the same people, the oh, same people oh, in oh, the oh. in the show. Um, but you know Neil Gaiman knows what he's doing, um, so I'm looking forward to that. Oh, there's a there's a writer I really like now. His name is Robert Vendetti. So his last title was Hawkman. Mm, okay. He wrote um, Exo Man of War for Valiant for Valiant. a while. Um, Hawkman is my favorite DC character because he's so messed up. Because <laughs> DC didn't know what to do with him, so yes. they kept rebooting him and rebooting him and rebooting him Uh-oh. until until Geoff Johns um, and Vendetti kind of figured out what to do with him, mm-hmm. and so they found a great solution. So now I love him even more because they found a good solution for him, and I love that uh, his power is basically reincarnation. Reincarnation, that's a, yes. Oh. That's a great power to have because mm-hmm. it's you know, but you know, he, he's not immortal. He's just he just keeps getting born yes. again. And that's Uh-oh. a great 
great power to have. I think that they figured it out. But they just, he's been written out now. He no longer exists. Yeah, again? After his, this run? After this run? Okay. Uh, he, they don't know what to do with him. Uh, <laughs> again. So I'm worried that the next time he comes back, he'll be unrecognizable. Spoiler alert. I know, I, I read recently in the trade news, they're gonna kill off the Justice League. So baka when they reboot the Justice League, he's, he's coming back. I don't know. They've been rebooting the Justice League for so many times. Yeah. Like when they messed up with the new 52 and mm-hmm. they came back with Rebirth. Rebirth was okay. That Rebirth, um, was okay, okay. Rebirth was okay. They fixed the new 52 with Rebirth. Um, sometimes they just don't know how to leave well enough alone. Um, I think that um, Marvel is far better at, at the rebooting thing mm-hmm. because they know kind of kind of when to lay off. Uh, that the Hickman run on X-Men <laughs> was very good. But now there's kind of... Oh, there's a weird thing going on, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, let's not, you know, bother with that. Which they also did before when when um, Grant Morrison did the X-Men. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, it was very good. And then they said, oh, let's not do that anymore. Uh-huh. So, so it's like, you know, if you're going to get these good writers to do this, And, and do a good run then stick with it Mm-mm. but they're, they're always trying to you know try to start with the number one and I, I, I know it's a marketing thing yeah. <laughs> it's a continuity nightmare yes. um, uh, and two things lang, just before we end I think that DC should bring back the Justice Society mm. I'm a very big Golden Age fan and the biggest advantage that DC has over Marvel is they have a lot of Golden Age characters. Yes, yes. And my favorite of the CW shows is Stargirl. Stargirl. Oh, oh Stargirl, sir. Yes, yes, yes. Because Stargirl is the legacy show. Yes. So uh-huh. they took advantage of the Justice Society Golden Age thing and it shows that, yeah. that the Berlanti group, they can do they this. Yeah. Yes. They can do this. The other thing which I hear they're going to do, and I hope to God they get it right, is the Legion of Superheroes. Because the Legion of Superheroes is a great creation, especially Paul Levitt's um, Keith Giffen era. Mm, okay. But they've been, they've been trying to redo it. The last one, the Bendis one, was terrible. <laughs> um, uh, and right now, the series they're doing, which is uh, Justice League versus... Uh, League Legion of Superheroes is not what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. But they have announced that they are developing a Legion series. A TV um, series, sir? Or animation? Series. I think it's animated. Mm, okay. There's no way you can do that show live action. The last time they did it live action, it was on Smallville. Yes. And um, <laughs> that Smallville is, uh, is a hot and cold series. It, mm-hmm, has, yes. its, it has its moments. Um, but it also has its its lows, Mm-mm, so yes. um, it it's kind of problematic, which is you know kind of like the CW thing. At least you know um, the MCU is kind of like if you take out Agents of Shield, which they've done, <laughs> sir. Season one, season two, okay, na man. I mean, I... no, 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 no. What I mean is they took Continuity. out Agents of Shield. Yeah, Continuity, yeah. So M- the MCU works. Yeah. Because 
everything fits. Yeah. They just have to decide what to do with the Netflix stuff. Mm-mm. They've and started with the no, Kingpin. No, but you know, they've stuck the Kingpin yeah, and yeah. Matt Murdock, but yeah. we don't know Iron Fist, Jessica Jones. Yeah, yeah. They have to decide if they go all in. Mm-mm. I think they should Mm-mm. because it would just tie everything together, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, Luke Cage. It would just tie everything Mm-mm. together. Why not? I mean, it's already out there. The Punisher is a trickier proposition, but it's all out there already. So why mm-hmm. not? No? But the DC thing, their problem is they have the CW and then they have the DCEU mm-hmm. and they're completely different things. Yeah. I mean, HBO's Peacemaker is the first D- DCEU show. Mm-mm, yes. They have two flashes. Yes, but they met na. At least they tried to they tried to do that. The two yes, flashes met. But, yes. Well, they have many flashes. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. But they have a flash show and they have a flash, flash movie. movie. I mean, it's kind of confusing. <laughs> I mean, it's right. Uh-oh, they have yes. two. They have two Supermen. So it's kind of confusing, and I wish that it. Marvel does not have that problem. Yes. That's my point. Marvel doesn't have that problem. But if you've, if you've been listening, I've been following, I'm not sure if you follow Rob Liefeld's podcast, uh, Observations. So it's all about comics, chismis. It's all about comics, mm-hmm. chismis. And when there are big issues, he would talk about it. And I'm not a super fan of Rob Liefeld, but I enjoy his thoughts because he gives us inside information. And he gives inside information on some of these things, eh? the, the issues that are going through. Um, he, he kind of uh, badmouths Jim Lee. Yeah, of course he would. Yeah, yeah well. They would badmouth, they badmouth him anyway. So I think that, to be perfectly honest, the Image Saga was the greatest saga of that era. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything that happened and the changes that it created mm-hmm. were needed, except for the really ugly Heroes Reborn uh, <laughs> redesigns. We could have lived without that. Um <laughs> But um, just uh, just just uh, just as a thought um, in that area, uh, I, I think that the reason that comic books are in such a difficult situation now is when I was younger, the only thing we had, and this will date me immensely, <laughs> was was we had the nineteen sixty three Batman show. Okay. And we had the Superman movies. Mm-mm. We had the we had the Spider Man TV show, and the Incredible Hulk TV show. Mm-mm. That's all we had. And then you had the Super Friends animated show yes. and the Challenge of the Super Friends. Everything else, you had to read. You had to buy the comics yes. and you had to read it. Mm-mm. So you became a fan. You had to choose. Today. It's everywhere. It's on television. Mm. Every movie is a comic book movie. Mm-mm. Okay? Even the non-superhero ones yes. are comic book movies. And what that does is it removes the power of the comic book. Because the comic book does not have a budget. Mm-mm. It does not have to cast. Yes. Okay? It does not have to worry about test audiences. 
it does not have to worry about uh, making back money, marketing. Mm-mm. You can do anything on a comic book. But when the comic books are now being made so that they can be made into movies and then yeah. And TV. Everything is sort of derivative. Mm-mm. And you know, if I want to watch, if I want, you know, to know what's happening in Marvel now, I pay attention to the MCU. Mm-mm. Because I would dare like anyone out there to tell me what's going on with Spider-Man right now. Because they would tell me that oh he just you know appeared with Toby Maguire and no. <laughs> that's what they know right yeah, yes, because yes, uh-uh. because no one's reading the comic book and there are some great Spider-Man characters i mean silk is a great great character they need to change spider-gwen's name by the way <laughs> um any characters Secret identity that has the real name. Yes. <laughs> bad idea. <Uh-oh. laughs> um, bad idea. Uh, so it's kind of like that. Mm. Where we're not paying attention. I loved what Marvel did with their diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't understand why Wade <laughs> and, and uh, was it Sea Hunter. Uh, the other Filipino character. I haven't heard of the Sea Hunter, but I've seen Wave. Why they have English names? I don't understand that. But but they changed that with the Captain America girl. I forgot her name. Yeah, but she's still Captain America. Oh yeah. <laughs> you see, you see, Wave's real name is Filipino, Mm-mm-mm-mm. but her superhero name is Wave. Yes. Uh-oh. It shouldn't be Wave. It should yeah, be yeah. Alon. So, I don't get that. Mm-mm. So, I love Wave. I mean, Mm-mm. great character, great powers. Um, I wish I could remember if Sea Hunter was right. I collected that whole Agents of oh, Atlas, uh, Atlas Agent. series. Oh, and uh, and uh, Arrow. I had to put up with Arrow, um, which was the Chinese superhero because Wave was the back up mm. <laughs> was the backup so I had to put up with that yeah. and I hoped that they would put Wave into a trade but they never did mm-hmm. uh, that series was interesting because the backup series because it had Sirenas and Shokois and stuff like that so mm-hmm. they dipped into that Greg Pak is, is a great writer of, of uh, Asian characters mm-hmm. He has a lot of Korean characters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do love this K-pop Korean character. He has a K-pop Korean character, which I love. Um, the the Indian giant man is a little weird. Um because <laughs> uh, he's still he's still giant man, he's just Indian. Yes, so uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. it's just a Nothing little new. weird. Yeah. So and I don't like that they're changing Kamala Khan's powers. Uh, on on the TV show because ah, in the show yeah okay. because they you know and beginning is kind of her power yeah this is the problem Mm-mm. this is again the problem that I'm talking about where when you turn them into TV and you take them too far from they don't Source have material. to be Mm-mm. they don't have to be slavishly Mm-mm. they don't have to be loyal to the yeah. loyal to the source material yeah for example. The Dark Knight saga mm-hmm. only worked 
because Christopher Nolan decided I'm going to take it my direction. Yes. Right? Mm. If he did the Christopher Nolan Batman, if he mm. did it the old Batman way, it would yes. be really bad. And yeah. Matt Reeves is doing his version Mm-mm. of the Batman and it's going to be completely different. Um, but you cannot change a character too much. Too much. Mm-mm. Okay? Because, for example, that's why animation works. Mm-mm. Because Batman has a lot of animation. Mm-mm. Because they um, can do things with him in animation that you couldn't do with him in, in live action. Uh, live action. This is why Legion and for mm. my money, the greatest um, animated comic book show of all time, Justice League Unlimited. Mm, okay. <laughs> yes. The entire run from mm. Justice League to Justice League Unlimited. Mm-mm, that mm-mm. is the greatest comic book show <laughs> of all time, <laughs> including live action. You can do things in that. Big, big statement, sir. <laughs> no, really. Yeah, you watch okay. that thing from start to end. You have to be start at the beginning and go to the end. Yeah. I mean that it just it's amazing. I mean it's just just amazing what Was it still Bruce Tim who show yeah. showrunner? Okay. That mm-hmm. was Bruce, the the Bruce Tim show. And so it it was just amazing. I mean that was everything that was right about comic book animation. Mm-mm. So yeah, that's just what I think. Yeah. Um, I wish we could have more of that. I think that um, uh, Melvin Malonzo is animating Julius Villanueva's Mambabarang series, uh, Ella Arcangelo. Ella Arcangelo. Ella Arcangelo. I look forward to that because mm-hmm. that should be interesting. Because after Trese, we need something like yeah. Ella Arcangel. Oh. Where do you? Sorry, sir. Last question. Sorry, no where do you see I mean, since you are in, in the field and you you've you have access to maybe different information, but where do you see Filipino comics going? Because I've seen the there's a trend that they're having similar to Korean uh comics. Webtoons. 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 Eh? And I've seen a local co- counterpart doing it. I mean it's it's more feasible sometimes. I Tresex come out with that platform. I forgot the name of the platform. But do you see Filipino comics moving there since it's harder to right now it's harder to sell physical copies. So you're talking about Penlab. Penlab, yes, Penlab. Uh, and Penlab is a great, great platform. Mm-hmm. I will be the Philistine and say that uh, I don't like digital comics, mm-hmm. but that's because I'm old. <laughs> okay. 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 There are two things that I do not like. I don't like digital comics and I do not like decompressed storytelling. Mm, okay. Okay? So, the 2000s were a very terrible time for me because nauso yung, digital, yung de- decompressed storytelling. Yes. Yung para matapos isang story, eight issues siya. Oo. Okay? Mm-mm. Kasi they're writing for the trade. Yes. It's very frustrating when you grew up in the 80s. Tapos sa isang issue... Oh, tapos, tapos na historia. Okay, tapos na siya. So I love what Penlab is doing. I think it reaches a new audience, a young audience. Yes. And it costs them very little. 
because paper is expensive. Mm-mm. Yes. So I like that. I think that that is where it's heading. Um, I also think that it's where Filipinos creators can really bring their work to an international mm, yes. audience because it's cheaper to produce. Then no, but you don't have the problem of having to find a foreign publisher mm-hmm, yeah. or a foreign distributor because this is what budget and Kajo had to do. Yes. <laughs> this is what they had to do. And they did it. Yeah. They put in the hard work. Mm-hmm. Um they put in the rejections and they put up with um they did their own crowd sort crowdfunding. Mm, yes. Uh so they deserve everything that that they're getting now more Mm-mm. because they put a bit all that um, but the future is going to be very different uh, yeah. I think that now that it's in a budget have done it I think that it's proof of concept Mm-mm. I think that the biggest thing that I think budget proved is Filipinos can write yes the <laughs> man because um for the longest time, we've been kind of pigeonholed as sort of artists. artists. Mm-hmm. And we're great. Yeah. We're great artists. Uh, fantastic. Um, but I think that it's an opportunity for Filipino write, comic book writers to start finding a larger audience. Because mm-hmm. uh, the audience not in Dito, they already read. Yeah. They read, they can read more. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> so he's welcome. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, and, and for this, you have to really note the value of this print. Mm, yes. Mm-mm. For being supportive all those years, Mm-mm. supporting uh, Manix. Yes. Um, because Manix for me is the single most idiosyncratic. Uh, comic book creator. Uh, I love Manix's work in every form. There's nobody like him. Yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, this print supported Mm-mm. Trece. Yes. They supported Melvin's Tabi Tabi Po. Ah, Tabi Po. Tabi Po. And uh, now that uh, Nida Ramirez is has founded Avenida. They're going to continue doing that. But you now also have Anino Books, which is the Anino Comics, which is the imprint of Adarna. It's the Mm. comics imprint of Adarna. So they did 66. Okay. uh, Which was published in Singapore under a different title. That is um, Russell Molina's book. Mm -mm. So... We're now seeing that there's, you can do this, yeah. you know, um, we can do our own thing now. So we thank the people who came before, but then maybe people should start realizing they can do this on their own. And the more people doing it, then the more stories are being told. And there are a lot of, I mean, it, I hate to pigeonhole na parang uh, there are a lot of 
mythology, Philippine mythology stories. But again, there is a wealth to be gathered from the Filipino folklore, uh, the, from the people we've talked to, well, from JP, from the stuff he's told us also. You, you'd hear stuff na parang, okay, I didn't hear about that before, about the babaylans, about the asogs, about hindi lang puro aswang and uh, tikbalang. Ang dami pa nating stories that have yet to be told. And probably if we can ride on that for a while before we, I mean, we shift to other Filipino-related uh, stories. Well, well, first you have to separate two things. No? Mm-hmm. You have to separate the mythology from the folklore. Mm, because yes. they're, they're, they're two different things. Okay, okay. Um, and uh, you you can write about one and then write about the other, but sooner or later, you're you're going to ride that wave out. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What budget did was, what budget and Kajo did was to put it in an urban modernized setting. Yeah. Um, mythology class also did that. Uh, but without the police paranormal investigator mm, yes. uh, murdering <laughs> creatures underworld, underground yes, mafia thing. No? Um, so Arnold's was more of a fantasy adventure and it was really more uh, a mythological yeah. tale. So a lot of uh, the comics which tackle this, the modernization of of legends Mm-mm. and um, and creatures uh, of our imagination, they keep getting lumped into the same barrel. Yes, Mm-mm. and and the thing is, it's quite unfair. Um, because, for example, there are different kinds of aswang. Mm-mm. Yes, and. I hate it when people just say, you know, it's aswang. an aswang. aswang. No, it's, no, it's not. I mean, there, there are different kinds. Is it a mm. manananggal? Is it a this? Is it a that? What is it? I remember going to uh, to uh, Antique mm. and then uh, we were told, don't look into anybody's eyes. <laughs> if you look into their eyes, they will possess you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, I remember going to Sikihor and, mm. you know, the, they, they said that, you know, there are witches here and stuff yeah. like that. It's so rich. Yeah. But also, it's so now. I mean, but I also have to say this. Hmm. Living in the Philippines is not like living anywhere else. And uh, our lives are interesting stories. Um, I think, to be perfectly honest, that there is a wealth of YA Mm, stories to be told in comics here growing Mm. up school um, without any kind of supernatural or (laughs) superpowered element I mean whether your high school was fun or not Mm. maybe it will be for someone else yeah Uh, and you know my I will end this story by telling you my favorite story of all Mm. Which uh, uh, my current favorite story, which is, so I told you earlier that I'm a very big Mecha fan. Yes. Mecha is clearly a Japanese yeah. creation. Mm-mm. So my favorite Mecha series is Gundam that would, should surprise no one. Okay. <laughs> uh, absolutely no one. No. <laughs> um, and I'm a fan of the UC or the Universal Century series, which is okay. the main series. 
and the Philippines is a constant presence in that um, mm. in the current two anime series that mm. are running from uh, from Sunrise, which is mm. the studio that makes it. In one, Gundam Thunderbolt, the bad guys actually have their... This is not a spoiler mm. because the manga is already out, mm. translated, and the OVA will be out soon. Okay. But it's already said yeah. that the bad guys, their headquarters is inside Taal Volcano. Okay. <laughs> okay? okay. Uh-uh. So they, they have to attack yes. Taal Volcano. Uh-uh. So that's the first part. So if you look at the art, they got it. Mm-mm. They really went for it. Uh-oh. Second, the other one, which is Hathaway Splash. Yes. It's, Davao, it's, based, it's based on uh, a very old property. It's based in Davao. The first chapter Mm-mm. is based in Davao. And the um, director, he went to Davao. Yes. He went to Davao and he took pictures and that's why if you watch it, there's a Jollibee in yes, it. Uh-oh. People are, <laughs> yes, people are eating Jollibee in uh-oh. it. Uh-oh. Okay, yeah. so this is part of our story. Yeah. Okay. Um, our stories have become settings. Mm-mm. Okay. In the old in the old uh, comics, hmm. um, Superman would head off because he has to save the Philippines from uh, something. Mm-mm. But you'd never see it. Yeah. Um, a writer I respect very much, Matt Fraction. Mm, yes. He, he wrote uh, a series, um, an Iron Man arc that had Filipino characters, but he got it all wrong. Okay. <laughs> No consultants. Uh-uh. He got it all wrong. Um, we had Buddhist monks and <laughs> the superheroes were all like, we would never have superheroes like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was called the Invincible Iron Man. And it was, uh, it was a good arc, but that part really ruined it because it was all so wrong. I yeah. mean, it was all so wrong. But when they get it right, yeah. Our story, we need to tell our own stories. Yes. Okay. If the Americans and the Japanese are choosing to tell parts of our story, yeah. why can't we? And that is and that's the lesson of Trese. Yes. Which is we can <laughs> tell our own stories and we should. That's true. Better thank you, thank you, sir. Thank you for the comic talk. I don't get to talk to a lot of people about comics these days because yeah, it's uh the the pandemic kind of has made it very difficult to uh meet up, eh, no, sir. Yeah, 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 and mm-hmm. and and, and, all, and and all that. But I try to keep you know track of what's going on. You should watch uh there's a Amazon Prime series, so Invis- Invincible. Ah, uh, yes, I finished it. I, I, after that, uh, I bought some comics, na. Because I like the art. I like the... Well, it's Robert Kirkman. The story. I, I, I collected that when it first came out. Mm. Also, do you have the first first prints? Yeah. Singles? Singles? Was, I threw them out. Na. <laughs> and, I, and I got the hardcovers. Because ah, hard I, I intended to keep them. 
Okay. So when you intend to keep them, I think I sold the uh, singles um, to make room. Yeah. Because you can't, singles are impossible. More, I'm more art. When I buy, it's more mostly for art. And talagang improvement, I forgot the name of the artist, but the improvement of the art was parang, it, it was, uh, because he did it, every issue, he, he did it, uh, he did it himself, himself eh, diba? So I, I'm trying to see the, he's doing a Hulk run right now, eh. So I'm trying to see if I can get a copy of that also. Ayun. Well, you know, the, the problem I have is a lot of the artists I love no longer do sequential work. They usually do variant covers. See, Olivier Corretier. Oh. I know, Magic uh, Order, sir. Magic yeah. Order, did you get that TPB? See, see, see David Fincher. Mm. Uh, David Finch, sorry. Uh, see, see Wills, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Travis. I mean, they don't do see, Travis Charest. I mean, mm-hmm. they, don't, they, they just don't, uh, they don't do a lot of, of sequential now. And it's just, such a shame mm-hmm. I do I will recommend something that is about to start Kurt Busiek's Astro City um, it's one of my favorite comic book series of all time mm-hmm. and it's re- restarting at the at the image mm, really okay so um, it's his homage to um, to uh, superheroes mm-hmm. so Astro City is a uh, Uh, he had a very good run. It began at Image. Yeah. And then nung, nung, nung Wild Storm, nung nag-jump siya yes. sa DC. So, pinabish siya ng DC for a while. And then, ngayon, bumalik siya sa Image. Uh, image so, okay. so, it's uh, Kurt Busiek. And then, the art is by Brent Anderson. So, ang dami na nun, though. <laughs> yes, oo. Ang dami na nun. But Astro City is um, a great, great. It's my favorite superhero Mm. Uh, ano siya ha um, it's very um, retro mm, yes oh, actually I've seen I didn't collect it but I've, I've seen the so wizard before so wizard pa yun sir no? yeah. so wizard I remember seeing Astro City well well the rest of it you know that I like the storm watches and the Lazarus is all tech uh, military tech I tend to like that yung pagdating sa superheroes Astro City mm-hmm. is for, for me lang sad ako na si Warren Ellis wala siyang maganda after Planetary well for me ah wala na ako na may Angel something siya pero webcomic eh pero after Planetary wala na yung very thought provoking si Planetary so parang for me it's, it was very I think Planetary well Planetary is his masterpiece mm-hmm. so it's, mm-hmm. it's kinda hard and even yung authority run niya was not mm-hmm. as yes. good yes Uh, kasi what he did with authority was he it came after the Stormwatch run and his mm-hmm. Stormwatch run was so good. Yeah. Uh, and his Stormwatch run was never collected. I actually I actually have the entire run in trades. Okay. Pero wala siyang single omnibus mm-hmm. and that was so good. Um, especially since one of the things you know ang nangyari was nilipat siya sa authority and then he wrote this great authority run. Yeah. Um, and then, pumalit sa kanya si Mark Miller. And at that mm-hmm. time, Mark Miller was very hot. Mm-hmm. And then, yung artist nila pareho mm-hmm. was, yes. Frank, was Frank Whiteley. Frank Whiteley, oh. Na nag-Hawkman. Siya nag recently. Tama ba? Who, who is uh, an acquired taste and it's not my... <laughs> it's not my acquired taste. Oh, really? Okay. Um, he did... He did do an interesting show for Netflix. Um, yung 
uh, na-cancel din. Um, the superhero show on Netflix, uh, the one with the second generation. Ah, oo, oh, oo. Oh, oh. I, I, I collected the series nun. Mark Miller yun eh. Oo, oh, Mark oh, Miller oh. din yun eh. Uh, sayang yun. Um, maganda yung comic. Yung show, not so much. Pero yung comic, maganda. Well, sayang yun kasi na-cancel siya. So, mm-hmm. we'll never know what happened there. Parang, ka- parang cowboy bebop din yun eh. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, thank you. Thank you, sir. Let, let me know if you need anything else and I look forward Uh, I will I will work my way back Uh-oh. and uh, listen to uh to your uh earlier podcasts. Basta sir, there are no uh you are a journalist, there are no ano, we don't have uh <laughs> walang research saka walang vetting. So sorry. Those are the funnest. Yeah. <laughs> podcasts of all when yes. everybody's just having fun. It's a different kind. Thanks. Nice to meet you. Thank you sir. Thank you. Nice to meet you, sir. Thank you for your time. All right. Thank you, Sir Ruel, for sharing your stories and for the comic talk. Sir Ruel is currently the Arts and Books Editor of Inquirer, a professor of journalism at the Ateneo de Manila University, and of course, the author of two books about spirit questers. You can also catch him on Instagram and Twitter. I'll post the links below. Unfortunately, grabbing a hold of the Spirit Quest Chronicles books are a bit of a challenge. There is a Kindle version on Amazon, and I'll post the link below. I'm still actually trying to get more stories and perspectives from people who participated with the Spirit Questers. Hopefully, in future episodes, we get a few more to talk with us. If you were part of the Questers, or if you have stories about Questers that you'd like to share, with us yes please <laughs> you can reach me at paranormalsph at gmail.com if this is the first episode you're listening to I would suggest you listen to our earlier episodes we have a trove of stories about the strange the weird and the paranormal world we live in my favorite recommendation is to start from episode 1 where a bunch of friends start sharing their scariest stories Are you also a comic fan and a paranormal listener? Drop by the Discord server. You'll find the link in the show notes. I don't really know how many listeners like reading comics or what comics they read. But if there are a few of you, we can make a comics Discord chat group as well. I'd like to give a big shout out to our paranormal Patreons and our coffee supporters. Sunny, Jay, Don, I am who I am. And Enrico, thank you for the support. Patreon is one of the ways you can support the podcast. If you're curious as to what Patreon is, I'll post the link in the show notes where you can see the different tiers and benefits you'll get if you are a PNP Patreon. Thank you also to our coffee supporter, Terim. Thank you again for being a constant supporter. And I will drink a coffee later. Thanks to you. If you're thinking of a different way to support the podcast, you can go through our past episodes and share the episode that got you hooked. But of course, listening, engaging, and just being a loyal listener is enough. The Paranormal Podcast is engineered and produced by F90 Productions. When you can, if you can, please leave us a review on your preferred delivery platform. It can be a like, a share, a subscribe, And this goes a very long way to help the podcast grow. 
If you're on Spotify, you could also rate us. There's a rating system on Spotify. I see the numbers growing of people who have been rating, but if you haven't yet, maybe you'd want to give it a try. It's looking a lot like back to normal in the mall and outside in general. I even had my first face-to-face meeting the other day. But let's all still try to follow health protocols and stay safe. Thank you for listening. teaser na medyo usapang space to. Uh, a few weeks back, I remember reading up on some theories about space sa Discord. And naalala ko yung nabasa ko about our expanding and contracting universe. Pero of course, this spans billions of years. They called this theory the theory of the big crunch. Basahin ko ah. So according to this theory, the universe will one day stop expanding. Then, as gravity pulls on the matter, the universe will begin to contract, falling inward until it has collapsed back into a super-hot, super-dense singularity. Siyempre, the idea is nag-expand ang universe because of the Big Bang. And yun nga, it will reach a point na magko-contract naman. So, if you're wondering, our current universe, right now, as I record this, it is still expanding. So, malayo pa tayo doon. Malayo pa tayo dun sa contraction, sa crunch. Kung totoo man, kasi theories pa lang naman. So this got me thinking actually, what if the universe has been at a cycle of expanding and contracting? Na after each collapse into the super dense singularity, big bang na naman. And ulit na naman ulit. So cycle siya, di ba? So, pero every ulit, every cycle, may differences. Subtle and not so subtle sa mga nabubuong galaxies, planets, civilizations, di ba? So, kung isipin mo rin, nakailang cycle na kaya tayo? Nakailang ulit na ba yung universe? And because of this theory, naisip ko, what if may echoes of the past iterations of the universe and yun yung parallel worlds na nag exist Kaya parang side by side kasi sila kasi nangyari na sila o mangyayari pa lang sila. Kasi di ba, yung concept of time is uh, an earthly concept nga daw. Pero what if ganun, di ba, na kaya may parallel worlds kasi nag exist sila at the same time from a different contraction, from a different expansion. So, echo lang. So, maybe kung napanood yun ng Doctor Strange, baka dreams <laughs> or nasa visions mo. Pero nangyayari na at the same time. Pala isipan. Wow. Sumobra na yata ako. Pero yun, so... Yun lang naisip ko minsan. What if, ano, nakilang ulit na rin tayo sa mundo. Ayun. Okay. Palaisipan lang. Thank you for listening sa mga latak listeners dyan. Kamusta kayo? Pagkagising ko sa umaga, chinecheck ko yung mga, mes- yung mga <laughs> activities sa Discord. Ingat kayo palagi. Ayun. Bye-bye.